We are in the final week of a three-part series on Micah 6.8, the words that were just on the screen and the words that are on my t-shirt here. This call of the prophet on what the Lord requires of God's people to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And so two weeks ago, the sermon focused on justice. Last week, on mercy, this word chesed. And then today, humility. And so I want to invite those of you watching, if you would like to, turn in the scriptures to the book of Micah, chapter 6. We will once again come into contact with verses 6 through 8 on this day. And I want to invite you as you're able to stand for the reading of God's word from the prophet. What can we bring to the Lord? What kind of offerings should we give him? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To act justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. May God bless the reading of God's word and would you pray with me? Jesus, you demonstrate for us humility and I ask that you would open our hearts and minds to hear from your word from the scriptures here. And I ask, Holy Spirit, if you would be so gracious as to use my words in the minds and in the hearts of our church to the growth of your kingdom and to the shaping of your people into the image of Jesus. I lift these things up in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Can you think of a time in your life when you learned a lesson on humility? Can you think of a time when you acted humbly? Humility, to put another person first, to let go of pride and arrogance, to set aside ego so that we are able to see the values and the interests of others. Can you think of a time when God asked you to demonstrate humility and to think of others ahead of what you wanted? I can remember a time in my life when I was sharply criticized by somebody. Perhaps you can relate to that. 
And I remember feeling not only taken back by the tone of this person, but I, I, I felt like this person was being unfair. I was rattled. And so I went to one of my mentors with this issue, and I thought that my teacher would listen to me, see the one-sided way of the error of uh, this other person, and then perhaps maybe give me advice on how to properly correct them and their misguided wrongdoing, maybe help me craft the perfect email in response, something like that. And I thought wrong. After I shared this story, my mentor said to me, do you know what I do in situations like this? I think of the days long ago when people, after the harvest, would take the harvested grain to the threshing floor and they'd crush it under a millstone. This would take the wheat kernels and separate them from the chaff, the outer husks, which had no value really and maybe could be hurtful in some ways. And there it would be, this whole big pile, wheat and chaff, on the threshing floor. And then they would take their winnowing forks and they would take a big pile of this stuff and toss it up into the air. The wheat and the chaff. And it would hang there in the air and as it was up in the air, the wind would blow through. And the lighter chaff would be blown away while the good kernels of wheat or whatever they were harvesting, barley maybe, would fall back down to their feet. And as he was telling the story, I kind of knew I was in for maybe a little more hard work than I was thinking. And he went on, he said, you know, I think about that and that process. And, and when I find myself in a situation like you find yourself, Abe, I take my hands and I I hold them before God and I offer this prayer. I say, God, would you take the words that were spoken to me and would you separate out the wheat from the chaff? Holy Spirit, like wind, would you blow through these words? Take the words that have no value, blow them away. But may the words that have wheat, the words that are good seed, may they fall and be planted and take root and produce a harvest for your kingdom. This has been a very powerful lesson for me, and it's one that I come back to time and again in my life to pray that prayer. I can remember another time in my life when God Uh, asked me to be humble and taught me humility. I found myself in a conversation uh, with another member, uh, a mentor of mine, and I had just written this long pointed letter to a friend. I hadn't mailed it yet, but it was all ready to go, signed, sealed, and postmarked. (laughs) I held the letter in my hand as my mentor and I spoke about this situation. And I I shared how I felt like I was being treated unfairly, that this friend of mine was asking for something that was ridiculous. And my mentor asked me a question, and he said, Abe, 
what is the gracious thing for you to do? And those words hit me very hard in my heart. What is the gracious thing for me to do? I never did send a letter, and it probably saved the friendship. There have been many lessons that God has taught me about humility, as I'm sure there have been for you. Like for me, learning to say to my wife, I was wrong. Or learning to say to my children, I'm sorry, how can I help? Or the seemingly simple yet humble admission, I did not know that. Thank you for telling me. Learning humility and walking with God in humility is not something that happens primarily in a classroom, nor is it learned by listening to a sermon. These things can motivate and guide, but humility is learned by seeing it in action and by practicing it. And it's not easy. It requires us to let go of things. Humility means we let go of ego and we put the needs of other people ahead of our so-called rights. If there ever was a time for us as Jesus followers to, as the scriptures say, clothe ourselves with humility, I believe that time is now. I think of COVID, for example. Do we have events? Do we wear masks? Do we have church? Do we put a screen right here? Lots of thoughts. How will we have these conversations? Or politics and an election that's coming up or race and racism and how we talk about it? How will we lean in? What values will shape our words and the way that we see another person we are talking with? What values will we commit to? Because yes, in all of these things, we are called to walk humbly with our God. Humility asks that even if we have lived through more than another person, we still listen to them and value what they say. Humility reminds us that no matter how much formal or informal education we have received, knowledge puffs up, inflating the ego, but love builds up, strengthening a community. Humility challenges us to listen to another in order to understand uh, where they are, where they've been. Perhaps there won't be agreement, but there will be respect and love. Humility requires that our speech become skilled with phrases like, I did not know that. I was wrong. I am sorry. Charles Swindoll, uh, the old preacher man, he was a keynote speaker at a marriage conference many years ago, and he, he spoke a number of times at this you know, large church. <clears throat> and at the first large session where he spoke, he noticed right in the front row this couple, a husband and a wife. Swindoll noticed something that troubled him. He watched as the wife took notes, Bible open, She hung on every word Swindoll said. The husband, meanwhile, was constantly falling asleep. Swindoll thought to himself, what a bum. 
Here's this woman engaged, wanting to invest in her marriage, and here's this man who seems like he could not care less. He's in the front row. At least show some effort. (laughs) And it was all Swindoll could do not to say something in front of the entire audience to this gentleman asleep. The same scene played itself out at each large, each large session when Swindoll spoke. The wife was on the edge of her seat. The husband was taking naps. At the end of the weekend, at the conclusion of the final session, Charles Swindoll was approached by this couple. And Swindoll thought to himself, here's my chance. Maybe I'll provide this gentleman with some advice. And the woman broke the silence. She introduced herself. She introduced her husband. She thanked Mr. Swindoll for his time and his wisdom. And then, before Swindoll had the chance to say anything, the woman said this. She said, we are so grateful for this time. My husband is battling cancer. His treatments leave him so tired. He was adamant about being here this weekend to learn more. And while he's embarrassed that he falls asleep, you're his favorite teacher. So he made us sit in the front row. We don't know everything. And we find ourselves in a time when many people are slow to listen and quick to speak. Jesus asks us to do the opposite. You may be um, aware of the story of Daryl Davis. I became a little more acquainted with this story this week. Davis has a TED Talk where he summarizes uh, some of the work that he does in his life. And I've been deeply touched by this story. And I wanted to share a couple of ways that the story has impacted me this week and ways that God is challenging me. Daryl Davis is a black man. He's a musician. He, uh, it's like rock and roll, boogie, blues, keyboard player. Uh, his most popular song is I'm a Boogie Man. It's a catchy tune. Uh, Rob, it's the kind of tune you would do. Not in church, but maybe. When Davis was 10 years old, I think it was when he was a Boy Scout, he experienced some profound and hurtful prejudice and hatred based solely on the color of his skin. I would, um, if you're curious, I won't share his whole story, but if you just Googled Daryl Davis TED Talk, uh, he's got a, it's maybe a 20-minute talk. It's really powerful, and he he shares a lot of this story. But, But he began to ask the question after this incident when he was 10, how can someone hate me when they don't even know me? All they know is the color of my skin. As an adult, Davis decided to learn more about this. He, he, he really wanted to understand how this could be. So what he did, and this is where my jaw was agape for most of his talk, is he started reaching out to Ku Klux Klan members to learn how this could be so. He'd interview them. And 
he would become friends with them. Listen to them, talk with them. Again, I won't cover the entire story, but over the years, it's estimated that more than 200 clan members have given up their robes and disavowed white supremacy through their friendship with Daryl Davis. Here's just one example. A man named Richard Preston, you can find this on his Wikipedia um, entry uh, for Davis, that is. This man named Richard Preston was the leader of the Confederate White Knights, a, a, a KKK organization in Maryland. In 2017, Preston was arrested for firing a gun at counter-protesters at a Unite the Right rally. Daryl Davis offered to post Preston's bail. Did you catch that? This musician decided to post this man's bail, and he became friends with Preston. The two spent time together. Davis took Preston to the National Museum of African American History. Later, at Preston's wedding, Davis was asked to give the bride away. I mean, this is the kind of story that happens again and again with this man. And I, I'm just profoundly, there's so much to learn from him. There are three things um, that Davis talks about and uh, writes about that have been on my heart this week that I've treasured in my heart, pondered, that God has used uh, in me this week. And the first one is this. It's so clear when you listen to Daryl Davis, he does not give any ground to the sinful view of white supremacy at all. I mean, he's not at all giving ground to segregation or racism. Uh, He stands for equality and the work of what we could call anti-racism, but he does so with this respect and this humility. It's... um, for example, he becomes friends with this um, like KKK, I don't know what the word is, wizard, I think. And this guy invites Davis to um, clan rallies. And Davis goes and then becomes friends with people there. But he does so without giving up who he is at all. And I, I find that uh, inspi- inspiring. A second thing, and this comes out in Davis's TED Talk. He says, when enemies are at the table talking, they're talking. It's when they turn their backs on each other and walk away and stop talking that the ground becomes fertile for fear and hatred, and hatred brings destruction. And if there needs to be a commitment to being in conversation between enemies, then it's also true in families and in churches that there be a commitment to talking with one another at a table and doing so in a particular way. Humility does not mean difficult issues get ignored. Humility is how we go about the conversation. And the third thing that Davis said that uh, I've been walking with this week, he says this at the end of his TED Talk to this, you know, auditorium of people. He says, I'm not a psychologist 
I'm not a sociologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm a musician. And if I can do this, we all can do this. I've really been hit by that. We need not be experts. We're all learners on this journey. And I'm, I'm learning to embrace that, hopefully, with humility. And we know that in Christ we can do all things because Christ gives us strength to do it. As I've been reading these examples and the writings and, and listening to Daryl Davis, I keep being reminded of the example set for us by Jesus. The model of love and sacrifice and humility and how we're all not only able to do this, but called to it. And so I thought I'd finish this one with this fantastic uh, reading from Scripture in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He has shown you, O people, what is good and what does the Lord require from us but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk with our God in humility. And by the grace of God, by the power of the Spirit, these things can happen among us. Would you pray with me? We come to a time of prayer right now, Lord, and um, and I ask wherever we are that this would be a time when your Holy Spirit is working in our hearts. Would you please right now, Holy Spirit, bring something to our mind 
that you want us to be aware of or some work you're doing in our life, in our heart. Maybe it's with our family. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in our church. There are a number of things that all of us are walking right now. Maybe it's a word of comfort, Lord. Comfort, oh, comfort my people. Maybe that's the word. And maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe it's a message of courage. We are on the precipice of something and we're, we're, we're scared. May you speak to us like you did your servant Joshua. Take courage, I'll be with you. Maybe it's a reminder of the values you have put inside of us. To love and to peace and to patience, to compassion, to humility. Maybe it's a reminder that no matter what, you will not leave us and you will not forsake us. You have chosen us. You knit us together in our mother's womb. No matter where we go, there you will be. You know everything there is to know about us. Whatever that word is, God, I pray right now your Holy Spirit would give us a word. And that the word we hear from your Spirit would help us to lift up our heads, to walk in the kingdom of Jesus. to advocate for justice, to love mercy, and to walk with you, our God, in humility. Hmm. I pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.